Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. It's late summer, so let's have some fun. Take your pulse. At the wrist, lightly press your index and middle fingers of one hand on the opposite wrist, just below the base of the thumb. When I say go, count the beats. Go. Stop. Multiply the beats by four. That's your heart rate. What did you get? Call it out in the sanctuary or type it in the chat in the Zoom room. Do you know the slowest heart rate in a mammal? If you guessed blue whales, you're right. Their heart rate is an amazing four to eight beats per minute. And according to an article in New Scientist, when blue whales die for food, they can reduce their heart rates to as low as two beats per minute. The finding is particularly extraordinary given that blue whales have an energetically demanding feeding schedule. All of these facts bring us to Martin Foucault, a former French biathlete, five-time Olympic champion, and 13-time World Cup champion. At the peak of his career, Martin Foucault's resting heart rate was 26 beats per minute. Yes, you heard me right, 26. How did he accomplish this mind-boggling feat? Before I answer this question, let me tell you a little bit about biathlon, a winter sport at which Monsieur Foucault excelled like no athlete before him or since. The word biathlon comes from two Greek words for two contests. It dates back to Norway in the 18th century that combines cross-country skiing and rifle shooting. Contestants ski through a cross-country trail of 20 kilometers, about 12 and a half miles. At set intervals, competitors stop at firing ranges to shoot at five targets from both standing and prone lying on the stomach positions. The shooting rounds are not timed per se, but depending on the competition, missed shots result in extra distance or time being added to the contestant's total. Which brings us back to Monsieur Foucault. Imagine you are cross-country skiing in brutally cold winter weather and your heart rate has accelerated to 220 beats per minute. Remember, from 26. How do you shoot targets located 50 meters away that are less than five inches while standing and two inches while prone? 
Martin Foucault answered this question with his trademark nonchalance. Most competitive biathletes shoot when they exhale, he remarked. I shoot between the heartbeats. Sounds simple, right? When pressed further about how he decelerated his heart rate to less than 40 beats per minute so he can sh start shooting the targets with 95% accuracy, Monsieur Foucault replied, I relax my mind until I am fully present. I focus on the moment and listen to my breath. Once my mind is settled, I contemplate the four divine abodes, recite one of their four meditations. Then I start to shoot. I'd never heard of the four divine abodes, but after he mentioned them, I did some research. What I found was fascinating, and I want to share what I learned with you today. The Buddha instructed his followers to cultivate four states of mind known as the Brahma Viharas. They are four prized emotions or mind states that give us a framework to cultivate positive behaviors and minimize harmful ones. Brahma is the word associated with divinity. A vihara in Pali, the language in which the oldest Buddhist scriptures are written, is a dwelling place. Classic Buddhist texts translate Brahma viharas as four divine abodes. They are also called the four immeasurables or four boundless qualities because they represent love and goodwill toward all sentient beings without limit. These states are metta, loving kindness, karuna, compassion, mudita, altruistic joy, and upekka, equanimity. In her article, Brahma Vihara, The Four Divine States or Four Immeasurables, Barbara O'Brien writes, it's important to understand that these mental states are not emotions, nor is it possible to simply make up your mind you are going to be loving, compassionate, empathetic, and balanced from now on. Truly dwelling in these four states requires changing how you experience and perceive yourself and others. Loosening the bonds of self-reference and ego is especially important. O'Brien suggests that we can bring one or more of the four Brahma Viharas to mind any time during our day to renew our loving connection with others. We can cultivate these heart practices through calm abiding meditation, mindfulness and concentration practices, as well as other focused daily activities like making a cup of tea or washing the dishes. She encourages us to br bring each immeasurable to mind, first toward ourselves and over time toward all sentient beings as limitless as space. Buddhist scholars have been writing about the divine abodes for millennia. While many commentators focus on loving kindness, compassion, and altruistic joy, most see equanimity as the fundamental essence of the other three divine abodes. 
Sylvia Borstein writes in Living in the Divine Abodes on the Lion's Roar website, equanimity, it seems to me, is the ground out of which the three other flavors of benevolent mind arise. Everything depends upon it. Equanimity is the capacity of the mind to hold a clear view of whatever is happening, both externally and internally, as well as the ability of the mind to accommodate passion without losing its balance. It's the mind that sees clearly, that meets experience with cordial intent, because it remains steady and thus unconfused it is able to correctly assess the situations it meets. And Tara Brock offers an insightful podcast on the subject entitled Equanimity, the Gift of Non-Reactive Mindful Presence. She quotes St. Teresa of Avila near the end of her teaching. There is a secret place, a radiant sanctuary, this magnificent refuge is inside of you. Enter, be bold, be humble. Put away the incense and forget the incantations they taught you. Ask no permission from the authorities. Slip away, close your eyes and follow your breath to the still place that leads to the invisible path that leads you home. I followed one such invisible path almost 10 years ago. On the night of September 6, 2012, my Irish grandmother, Catherine, a devout Catholic, had a dream. Nana lived in a skilled nursing home in Colchester, Connecticut. At the time, she was 103.7. Yes, I got my love of math from my Nana. When she woke up on September 7th, she asked to speak to the director of nursing. This is what she said to her. Leslie, I love you, and I know you love me. I love everyone here, and I know they all love me. I had a dream last night that I died and went to heaven. I love this place, but it's not heaven. Starting now, I'm not going to eat, drink, or take my meds. I'm tired of living. The Lord will take me when he's ready. When I arrived at the nursing home that same evening, I was introduced to Debbie, the hospice nurse who would be managing the end stages of Nana's life. She informed me that Nana was already not communicating verbally with anyone, though she could still feel sensitivity through touch and hearing would be the last sense to go. Debbie was an incredible guide on the journey through the last 60 hours of Nana's life. Nana was the most important person in my life, and I did not want her to be alone under any circumstances. I refused to leave her side except for very occasional nature breaks. 
I spent most of the final hours with Nana in silence, holding her hands, stroking her face, holding her in my arms in a very, very narrow hospital bed. When I spoke to Nana, I did so very quietly with a soft, dulcet tone she used for her whole life, except when the Red Sox lost to the Yankees or she missed a spare white duck pin bowling. Though our time together was one of the most painful experiences of my life, I came to see it as the most intimate of gifts, to be with someone I love so dearly in the last hours of her life. On the night before she died, I heard a divine voice, the Bot Cole Leonard Cohen speaks about, and knew immediately what I had to do. Nana recited the rosary every day for decades, so I decided to recite the Hail Mary prayer and usher Nana into heaven. Though this was no longer my faith tradition, in my heart I knew this meditation would have deep significance to Nana, given her passionate religious convictions. I had one problem. I couldn't remember the words to the prayer. <laughs> it was late at night, and I was not in the emotional place to start Googling. I took out my phone and called my son. Dan, I demanded, Google the Hail Mary prayer. Hey, Dad, what's up? He replied. Google the Hail Mary prayer, I insisted. I'm with Nana, and she's actively dying. I need the words now. Okay, he said. He gave me the words, and I wrote them down. Thanks, I love you, and hung up the phone. I returned to Nana. Her hands were very cold. I clasped them together and wrapped this rosary around them, her already stiffening fingers. I enveloped Nana's hands in my own, turned to the paper, and started reciting. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I prayed like this with Nana for hours until we fell asleep. No one disturbed us. It would be my final gift to Nana. She died early the next morning at my side. My dearest spiritual companions, in her article, The Four Divine Abodes, Love, Compassion, Joy, and Equanimity, Kathy Keery writes, these sublime qualities of love provide the answer to all situations we may encounter in our lives. They are the great removers of tension, the great peacemakers in social conflict, 
and the great healers of wounds suffered in the struggle of existence. These noble qualities of love level social barriers, build harmonious communities, awaken the slumbering generosity within us, and revive the joy and hope long abandoned. So may it be. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I bow to the divine and every one of you. Our benediction is from Indian author Kalidasa's The Exhortation to the Dawn. Look to this day, for it is life, the very life of life. In its brief course lie all the verities and realities of our existence. For yesterday is but a dream and tomorrow but a vision. Let us look well, therefore, to this day. Let's keep this faith and carry it on. The service begins when the service ends. So may it be. ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.